welcome to episode 11 of Just Hit Play. I'm your host, Peter. With me, as always, is my co-host, Nick. Nick, how are you? I'm doing very well. Very well. It's been a nice week. You know, we're coming up to the last month of summer, which means school is is rearing its ugly head. But, uh, you know, look and make the most of, of this last month. And yeah, everything's looking up. When do you go back? Uh, so I'll go back the second week of September, I believe, second or first. And if I'm not mistaken, being the good uncle that I am, <laughs> your birthday is coming up soon, isn't it? That's correct. That's correct. Yep. Yeah. See, I, I remember things. <laughs> you do remember things. Good job. Yeah. Uh, Darren, in our Brisbane studios, how are you doing? I'm doing good. All right, thanks, Darren. All right, Nick, I have a couple pieces of information for you before we begin. Sure. One. My friend B has said you're not the only one who's been disappointed by Kanye West. (laughs) Glad to know I'm not alone. A lot of people apparently have been disappointed by Kanye West. So she wants you to know that. Okay. Thank you. I I appreciate the solidarity. Yeah. And the other piece of information I wanted to give you is surprisingly, I like that Tyler, the creator song now. Really? Yeah. How did that happen? I don't know. I listened to it a couple more times and... And I really like the song now. Like last week I didn't. And now I'm like, yeah, this is a really good song. Wow. That's, that's crazy. What clicked for you? I have no idea. Like you just heard the chorus and you're like, oh, that's actually really good. (laughs) Or, or you don't know. I was, I was driving and uh, I didn't skip it. And I just sort of, you know, I was driving. So I wasn't, you know, uh, using my mobile phone because that's against the law. And I just sort of let it play. And I, and I sort of really got into it. I, I, that's the great thing about music. You never know when a song's going to get you. Yeah, absolutely. Like some of my favorite albums ever have taken, you know, a few listens all the way through for me to really be like, oh, this is this is good music. You know, I like this. Yeah, I guess Gloria Stefan was right. The rhythm is going to get you. And it, it's it, uh, it sort of did. You probably don't understand that reference, but that's OK. <laughs> no, but I like that. The, the yeah. rhythm does always get you. Yeah, Anyone in their 40s will will know that reference. Yes. Uh, so yeah, so I, I wanted to tell you that I, I really dug the song. So, uh, yeah, I'm into awesome. it. Ha- happy to hear it. Happy to hear it. Yeah. All right, Nick, you're first. Go for it. Yes. So this week I'm going to be, uh, introducing a song by Animal Collective. They formed in 2003 and have been making experimental indie pop music ever since then. But their biggest release was in 2009 when they released the album Meriwether Post Pavilion, um, which was a landmark album and has continued to influence uh, indie music, indie pop music ever since it, it first released. It's it's a fantastic album, you know, front to back. It's you know stacked with great songs. But this one, Summertime Close, is the one that gets the most spins from me. I can't wait to hear your thoughts on it. So, Darren, why don't you just hit play on All right. What did we think of Summertime Clothes? Yeah. The first time I, the first time I heard it, I was like, wow, this is just chaos. Like, there is so much going on in this song. It was really hard to pick out the melody. It was really hard to pick out the theme of the song. I really just enjoyed this sort of wave. It was like I was at the ocean and I've been carried by a wave and I've come crashing down on the beach. It uh, it was really good. 
Yeah, absolutely. That's that's the perfect way to describe it. And uh, the other Animal Collective songs uh, and, and albums are very similar, where it's really just you you listen to and appreciate the song as a full package. You know, that full wave of sound, the sonics that are hitting your ears all together. Like, you know, it's hard to pinpoint exactly, but it just sounds good. When I was talking about the chaos part of it, I wanted to confirm that my theory of the song was correct. Just It was just chaos. And I watched the official music video, and I was right. It's chaos. <laughs> I haven't seen the video. What are they doing in it? I, I have no idea. It's, uh, <laughs> it's people in bubbles uh, movement. There's double exposure video. Um, it's, it's exactly what you think it would be from, the, from listening to that song. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I mean... Uh, Animal Collective's music, especially this album and this song, it veers towards the psychedelic and experimental side. Like it's it's very trippy loops and just really heavy bass and synths. Yeah, I totally got that. It was such it was such wonderful noise. It, it I didn't know where I couldn't tell what instruments were being played, the what types of instruments. Um, a complete polar opposite of the other song we can listen to for my selection. So it was so nice to add this to my collection because the songs that we've been listening to are really sort of 70, 60 songs. Uh, we have some industrial music and then a lot of the hip-hop that you've brought to, to, the, to the table. And this is completely different from all the other songs that we've listened to. Yeah, I, I absolutely love music like this. Like, like this Animal Collective song and you know uh, other bands making silver music obviously tame impala could be put in in the same category um you know even shoegaze music like my bloody valentine it's um a very similar idea where it's just you know a wave of sound and the vocals don't really matter all too much it's just more about creating these dense melodies and i i really love that I, i love music that's like that so how did you come across animal collective um, where I come across most of my music, the internet, <laughs> I, I was probably, you know, one day, um, about five or six years ago, looking up, uh, best albums of, you know, a certain year or a certain decade and thought this one sounded cool. So I listened yeah. to it. It's funny how you come across a lot of the music, uh, via the internet. When, when I was growing up, it was radio. That was our big source of music, uh, older brothers, which I have two of, and Much Music. We got a lot of uh, songs from Much Music. So people that aren't aware, Much Music is the Canadian version of MTV. So a lot of the music that I sort of got was from from those sources. Uh, so yeah, the internet definitely wasn't one of them since it didn't exist. <laughs> yeah, one of my favorite things to do is um, like I'll, there's a, a website called Rate Your Music. And it basically like it just all the users, you know, you can just vote and rate any album, any piece of music that's ever come out. And then from that, they generate, uh, you can generate lists. Like you can look for highest rated albums from a certain time span and filter in certain genres um, and, and stuff like that. And it's so cool. I, I really, whenever I, I'm looking for a new album and I can't, I have no idea what I want to listen to. I'll go on there and just, you know, see what, uh, see what the public is rating as the best. That's really cool. One of the things that uh, we used to do, and when I say we, I specifically remember me and my friend Henry doing this quite a bit, is uh, back in the day, there was stores known as just used CD stores. That's all they had were just used CDs that people would sell back to the store and then you could go, go in and get them for cheap. And because the, the CDs were a little bit cheaper, they were like five bucks, three bucks or whatever. 
you would just take a flyer on a band. So you look at the album cover, you've never heard this band before. Uh, and then you would say, okay, that looks pretty cool. I'll give it a shot. Uh, sometimes you'd buy an album just because of who produced it or the record label it came off of. And sometimes it was really cool. Sometimes it was awful. <laughs> uh, and then you would just sell it right back to the CD guy. Yeah, uh, if you didn't like it, you come back the next day. Yeah, you just go, yep, uh, can I sell this back to you? And you <laughs> you, you know, sell it back to you for like a dollar or something. Uh, but I got a lot of music that way. Uh, it was just taking a flyer on a band that I thought looked, might look cool. And uh, yeah, away you went. Yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. And I feel like that doesn't really happen uh, too often nowadays. But having said that, I remember um, when I was in my first year of university, uh, one of my good friends, uh, Will, and, and myself, we we went to the mall and there's a record store in the mall and he was, you know, thumbing through the records, I think through the, the used records. And he pulled out this, this album that had, you know, just some crazy cover art of, it was like a, uh, a drawn silhouette of a horse, like racing through the wind. Um, and the, the album was legend by the band Poco. And he said, Nick, this is a sick cover. Like I'm, I'm going to buy this for you. And like, we got to go back and listen to it on your record player. So we did that night and it was a fantastic album. Like I, I, I can definitely see the appeal in, in what you guys used to do because mm. taking an absolute flyer and having it pay off, it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. It's that mystery, you know, it's um, you just have no idea what you're about to listen to. And it, it could be a sonic wonderland or it could be a graveyard. You just don't know what, <laughs> what's about, know. what's about to assault your ears. Uh, yeah. So you CD stores were some of our favorite things to, to go into. Yeah, no, that's really cool. Yeah. So circling back to uh, to the song, Summertime Clothes, you mentioned that it sounded very different from the song we're going to listen to, um, which is by the Beatles. And it's interesting you say that because uh, the Animal Collective, they're on record as saying they, they take a lot of influence from uh, the Beach Boys, Pink Floyd, and the Beatles. They said they're heavily inspired by them. Yep. So I, like, obviously the, the Sonics are different. And, you know, the actual product that they put out is different. But I can see similarities just in, in how they structure their songs and um, how experimental the music is. And, you know, using really offbeat samples or, or sounds that you can't even really pinpoint what the instrument's from. I, I think, you know, you can definitely see how they could take that from the Beatles or the Beach Boys. Yeah, the Beatles specifically, uh, because they, and we're going to, I'm going to talk about this later on because they were no longer a touring band after the, like the early, like the mid sixties, they could just pretty much do whatever they wanted to do in the studio because they never, they knew they never had to play any of these songs live. Uh, today you can, it's so much easier for a band to produce sounds live that they produced in the, in the studio because of backing tracks and, and the technology right. that's available, which wasn't around in the sixties. Uh, yeah. The Beatles ex- just experimented and would, you know, bring in a string orchestra because they could, or uh, would use experimental synthesizers because they could. Uh, yeah, in, in that aspect, I, I absolutely agree. There's there is similarities between the two bands. Yeah, and even uh, Tame Impala, who makes you know, I would say similar music to Animal Collective, that kind of um, psychedelic experimental pop sound. They are always compared to the Beatles, like constantly. That that's the biggest comparison they get. And again, it's not really for the actual songs that they make and they say, Oh, this is a ripoff of the Beatles, but just how they, how they go about forming the songs and the song structure and the songwriting. 
um, I, I think you can definitely draw the the line to the Beatles. Tim and Paula for sure. Tim and Tim and Paula has a has definitely has a Beatles esque sound yes. to them. Yeah, I agree. Most definitely. I I think it would be so cool to see. I, like I've never seen Animal Collective live, but I think it would be an awesome experience. Um, because like you said, nowadays there's so many tools and and instruments and techniques available for when you're playing live that you can replicate these these songs, and it would be awesome to watch them you know, try to piece that together on stage. They're a, they're American band. I think they're from uh, Northeast US, uh, that, that kind of New England area. I think actually, so Meriwether Post Pavilion, which is uh, the name of the album that this song is from, I believe it's named after a very uh, popular music venue in Connecticut, somewhere in Connecticut. It's like a, right. like a legendary local um, venue or something. So yeah, that's right. that's where they're rooted in. Yeah, that makes total sense then, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I and another fun fact about the song that I discovered um, today is, you know, it's it's obviously a very sample heavy song. Like there's a lot of stuff that, you know, gets triggered and it's not really a specific instrument that's being played the whole time. And what's cool is um, they they triggered all of that live during the recording process and none of it is sequenced on a on a machine or anything. Wow. That's yeah. cool. I thought that was cool. Yeah, I didn't realize that. I thought for sure that it was just a, a layered 18 track or 24 track sort of song they just kept layering on everything so that's cool that they sort of got that all uh, in the in the one go yeah i assume they just had you know some kind of uh like a bunch of keyboards and sample pads laid out with you know (laughs) loop buttons and they were just going to town on those while while recording so yeah yeah, i I think that's really cool and it i you know I, i don't mind when artists sequence everything out on you know different tracks but I, I do very much appreciate when they when there's an effort to do it all live. Yeah, and when we were talking a few podcasts ago about auto tune and how I, you know, while I'm not a particular fan of auto tune, I don't get upset when a band uses auto tune because you should use anything that you feel should be used in the song. Who am I to tell an artist to use or not use auto tune? That's up. To, that's up to them to decide. Yeah, exactly. It's you know if if that's their creative vision, that's that's how they see the song coming together. You know yeah. that's. You know, it's it's all subjective. Yeah. So, you know, if Animal Collective want to use the sounds that they want to use, I think the song is just chaos. It's wonderful. Yeah. Beautiful, organized chaos. That sounds very pleasing to the ears. It does. It's it's a pretty it's a pretty it's a pretty neat track. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, even though they're a bit of an older band, I'd never heard of Animal Collective at all. So uh that was a band when you said Animal Collective, it's like, oh, okay, haven't heard these guys. So Yeah, yeah. I know they've they've been around for quite a while, but I, to my understanding, they were very underground until this album came out in 2009. And then, you know, they're, they're sort of, if you're in tune with that kind of indie rock, indie pop scene, you know of them, but they're definitely not mainstream in any sense of the word. No, that was really cool. I really enjoyed that song. I'm glad. I'm glad. Yeah. All right. So moving on to the next song and we're going to listen to a Beatles song. It was difficult to pick a Beatles song because you know them quite well. Uh, so the first song I wanted you to listen to, you knew, which was Dear Prudence. Correct. Very good song. Yep. So I went to my friend, Justin, uh, who is the biggest Beatles fan that I know. And I said, give me a deep cut Beatles song that you really love. And he came back with baby. You're a rich man. Uh, before we get into it, Darren, just hit play. Thank you. 
right, Nick, uh, I want to hear what your thoughts were. Yeah, I, I really, really like this song. And I'm very happy that uh, the song your friend chose was from this era of the Beatles because I, you know, I, it's by far my favorite. All of my favorite songs from the Beatles come from, um, you know, late 60s and, and around the, the time the song came out. So, um, yeah, I thought it was fantastic and it's going to be in heavy rotation for me. All right. Now, I know a lot about the Beatles. I have been a Beatles fan since I was a kid. So I know a lot about the Beatles. And unfortunately, the Beatles are probably the most iconic band of all time. They have books written about them. Movies have come out about them. So there's a lot of information there uh, is. about the Beatles. So I'm going to stick to just a couple of points about uh, a couple about this song and, and a couple of points just about the Beatles. Uh, this is a song that is two unfinished songs. Uh, so Day in the Life is very similar, where Day in the Life is two songs that they sort of knitted together. Uh, this was the B-side to All You Need Is Love. Oh. And it was primarily written on a clavaline keyboard. I think I pronounced that correctly, which is an early version of a synthesizer. And the setting that was used was an oboe setting. So that's how they got that particular sound from the synthesizer. Damn, that's really cool. Yeah. What a lot of people don't tend to talk about the Beatles uh, is the harmonies that Paul and John Lennon could could come up with. A lot of their harmonies are just both of them singing together where Paul sort of takes the high, the high pitch and John sort of takes a lower register. The harmonies that the Beatles can create with, with Paul and, and, uh, and John are amazing. Absolutely. They're, they're dynamic and the way that they just meld together on, on the vocals of a song is yeah. it's unreal. <laughs> they were so good. Yeah. And as we talked about the Beatles stopped being a touring band, I think it was like 1965 or 1966. They just decided that they were no longer going to tour. And do you know, I don't know if you ever found, found, found out the reason why they stopped touring. Um, were they too popular? <laughs> too, too many people were coming to see them. It, it kind of is that they, because of the technology at the time, the crowd was was much louder than they could play. The speakers okay. weren't not that loud. So they were playing these shows and they had no idea if people actually could hear them because of the screaming girls, basically. Wow. Uh, so I think one set they played it back to front. So they played the closing song first and went through the, the whole, the whole uh, uh, gig playing back to front. So they didn't play their opening track. They played their closing track back to their front opening track and it made no difference the crowd didn't respond any differently uh so wow. at, at that point they decided that it just wasn't wasn't worth it so they weren't going to be a touring band any longer wow yeah they uh, they literally got too big to tour that's crazy yeah um now let's talk about the beatles early life before they became popular did you know that they were in hamburg germany for a few years before the they sort of became popular I did not. What were they doing in Hamburg? All right. So the Beatles minus uh, Ringo went, uh, they had a drummer at the time. His name was Pete Best. They went to Hamburg very young. They were, I think they were all like 17, 18. And they were the house band for a strip joint in Hamburg, Germany. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Crazy origin. Yeah. So they would play at the strip joint for like five and six hours a night, like six, seven days a week. Just, and they would just play like blues songs, like 
you know, songs that they loved from, from black artists mostly. And they just became these amazing musicians. Uh, have you ever heard that the term 10,000 hours to become a master at something? I have. Yeah. Yeah. So the 10,000 hours the Beatles put in were in Hamburg, Germany. They were just playing every single night uh, to drunk Germans uh, living in Hamburg. That's so cool. That's really, really cool, actually. Yeah. So when they came back to England and they started to be a band and they got Ringo came in to, to join the band, they were just masters. They had put in so many hours in, in, in Hamburg that they were just better musicians than anyone else out there. And that's, and that's exactly when they started to become popular. Damn. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that with me. That's, that's, that's a really, really cool story. And the other thing that I really love about the Beatles is their producer, George Martin, George Martin, not to be confused with George R.R. Martin. Two different yeah, I, I just got triggered when you said that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so George Martin, uh, who died, I think, in 2016 at the age of 90, was their music producer. And what he was really good at producing was instrumental. So he was uh, he really knew a lot about uh, symphonic symphonies. So he was able to just transcend and make the Beatles sound unlike anyone else. And when that's when you get into Sgt. Peppers and you and you think about how layered that album is and you bring in, you know, symphonies to to play and things like that. So that yeah, was George Martin. He was uh he, he he's the one that helped them with that sound. See, I th- thank you for sharing that because behind every great brand, great band or great artist, there's always a great producer. Yeah. That's just the way it works and I, you know, I didn't know who the Beatles guy was. So that's, yeah. that's cool. George Martin. Yeah, so George Martin was was great. He um he knew all the best symphony players in England, in London specifically. Uh and then um yesterday, uh do you, do you know the song Yesterday that Paul yes, McCartney wrote? So originally that was just Paul McCartney on guitar. And George Martin was the one that said he suggested some strings and Paul McCartney was like we're a, we're a rock band, we can't put strings <laughs> on on the song. And George goes, well, you know, why don't we put some strings on it? And then, you know, if you don't like it, we can take it off. And he was right. The song is so much better with the strings. And that's sort of when the penny dropped for the Beatles. And was like, well, we can sort of do whatever the hell we want, can't we? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. No, they really could. They, you know, what they got to a certain point where they really were, you know, for, for a little bit, at least too big to fail. Like, it just seemed like everything they were trying was working. To, yeah. to some degree, you know, and I, I mentioned that this is my favorite era of the Beatles. And, you know, af- after they started taking you know, a lot of inspiration from Indian culture, you know, they're using the sitar and, and singing about, you know, enlightenment and, and harmony and peace and stuff like that. I, I think they really came into their own, um, you know, not just as a pop band, but just as, as artists and as, as bands making really good music. And you can slowly hear uh, the beginning of that on this on this song, there is a little bit of in Indian instrumental, uh, especially with the with the, the synthesizer they're using on this song. You Absolutely. can definitely hear the beginning of it there, for sure, for sure. Yeah. And you know the the lyrics of this song and the themes, you know, very much in tune with uh, you know sort of the hippie movement that they kind of started embodying um, during this time about money not being everything and everyone's born rich because of of their inherent characteristics of, of being a human and, and stuff like that. Um, you know, all very positive messages. And I, I also very much appreciate the the way that they occupied and furthered that hippie movement in the sixties. 
you got it uh, bang on. That's that's the theme of the song is baby or rich man. Doesn't matter how much money you have. I guess that's easy to say from a band that had more money than God, but uh, yeah, <laughs> that's the theme. And you're right. That's a very sixties theme where, you know, you're richer than you think you are because of your freedom and your knowledge or your, your, um, you know, the drugs that you're taking, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you touched on that, that it's, I, cause I've, I've always found it a little strange when you have popular artists and bands, um, singing about, oh, you know, there's more to life than, than money and, and money can't buy you happiness and, and all these things. And while that's a positive message, it's all, it's, it's kind of strange hearing that from multimillionaires. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's always kind of thrown me off a little, just a little bit. <laughs> I, I think I remember uh, a very rich person. I can't remember who it was. It was some entertainer who did not grow up rich and they sort of became rich afterwards where they said that, yes, money doesn't buy happiness, but it sure paves the road to it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when when you're able to buy yourself, you know, a very nice house and, you know, send your kids to, to good universe, good college, good school and, you know, just ensure that you're you're good no matter what happens to you in life. That's that that, that definitely removes the roadblocks to happiness, I'd say. Yeah, it, it definitely does that. Uh, yeah. So that is uh, Baby or Rich Man, not one of the most popular Beatles songs. Obviously, there's a couple uh, Beatles songs are a little bit more well known, but a very good song nonetheless. Uh, the instrumentation, the the harmonies, oh, what a song! Very good song, very yeah. good song. I'm, I'm I'm glad that your friend recommended it because um, I'd never heard it, and I I probably wouldn't have ever you know stumbled across it, but I enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. and I I just have a a question for you, and it's going to be a hard one. Are you ready? I'm ready. Go for it. What's your favorite Beatles album? Okay. Uh, I can, that's actually pretty easy for me to answer. Uh, it would definitely have to be Sgt. Pepper. Okay. Okay. And, We're and both on the same page then. There is a reason why, and your dad's not going to like this because he loved his Sgt. Pepper album. Uh, when he was in university or in college, I think uh, I was a little bit younger and he was not home as much. And I used to put on the record when he was, when he didn't know I was listening to it. <laughs> so I would listen to the, to that album just back, back to front, uh, for a while. And really got into Sgt. Pepper. So, uh, yeah. I don't know if I scratched it, the record or anything, but uh, that's, Actually, his prob- yeah. that's his I problem have, now. I have that exact same record. Like, that. that's the one that's in my collection I took yeah. from him. Um, I'm happy to report there's no scratches. Oh, you, good. You guys, I took care you, of it. Yeah. Yeah, you, you guys took good care of it. Yeah. Yeah, I would listen to that a lot. We had a record player in the – and you, you know what the house I'm talking about. We had a record player in yeah. the basement of the house. And I would just plug in headphones and just lie down. And I was probably young. I would have been – Oh, probably 12, 13, 14 years old. And uh, yeah, I would just uh, lie there with the headphones on and uh, listen to uh, listen to Sgt. Pepper. I there, There's something poetic about about that because, you know, I'd, I'd never heard the album uh, in full until my dad gave it to me when I got my record player and I put it on one day and I, you know, I was just kind of blown away because hey, what a fantastic piece of music. And yeah, it's the exact same record that, that you fell in love with. Yeah, that's that's cool. I didn't know that. I think the other record, you might have had a Zeppelin album that I used to listen to a lot. And I think there was an ACDC album that, that I would listen to quite a bit too when he didn't know I was listening to it. <laughs> well, now now he knows. What what albums did you get from him? Oh, man. Uh, quite a bit. It's honestly hard to tell because I pilfered from both my mother and my father at the same time. So I'm not exactly sure whose is whose, but I know for sure that I got Sgt. Pepper's from my dad. 
I think, if I'm not mistaken, I left you a Jimi Hendrix record, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Yes, you did. Yeah. That one that one I have and I quite enjoy. I love yeah. Jimi Hendrix. Yeah, Jimi Hendrix is pretty cool. Yeah. Cool. Uh, you know what we forgot to do? We forgot to ask Darren if he liked the first song. Darren, oh. did you like the did you like the first song? Yeah, it was different, but also so is the Beatles songs. So yeah. same, same but different. Cool. Cool. Thanks. Thanks, Darren. Uh, so Nick, tell our listeners how they can get a hold of us if they want to send us an email. Sure. So if you'd like to email us, you can find us at just hit play 7300 at gmail.com. Please send us an email. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. And you can also find us on Instagram at just hit play podcast, where uh, you'll find updates on when a new episode drops and um, stuff like that. You can also shoot us a DM there if you'd like to contact us. And I run the Facebook page. So if you do a search for Just Hit Play Podcast on Facebook, you can join the community there. I post a lot of the videos to the songs that we listen to. Uh, And I just posted the other day an early uh, synthesizer. I think it was from Abbey Road. Abbey Road is where the Beatles used to uh, record all their albums. And it is a monster. Like uh, it's it's probably the biggest uh, musical equipment that I had ever seen. Uh, so yeah, go into the Facebook page and take a look for that picture. If you want to see what early synthesizers looked like and don't forget about our, uh, you can listen to a lot of the songs that we've, you can listen to all the songs that we've played on our playlist on Spotify, which is called just hit playlist, which you can find on Spotify. We can hear all these amazing songs that, that we uh, listen to every week. And as always, at the end of the podcast, we listen to an independent artist that I've sort of found uh, over the last few weeks. And this one is called, uh, she's called Devon. She was born in Toronto, uh, lived in London for a while until she came back to uh, Toronto to be in high school. And it was in university she decided to de- dedicate more of her uh, time to putting a little bit of music to, uh, to her poetry. She's also a member of a band called Wild Rivers. And this is her beautiful song called Lie. So uh, this is Devon with her song called Lie. Darren, just hit play, and uh, Nick, we'll talk to you next week. You got it. Thanks. Told ourselves a little lie, lie. Like how it sounded till Four in the morning when my blood alcohol content Gets a little high Turns me to face it We thought these new places could resuscitate it But Take the money and let's run Promise it's the last one Just, just Tell me lie Sugar-coated, let me know it'll be Just Tell me a lie Sugarcoat